0: are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Right on. Well, the topic of my message this morning is called Real Love, and um, I had a a testimony come in this week and you know it's one of those things that make me as a pastor so proud and they said that I could share the the information a little bit but I'm gonna hold the family's name back because I don't want to embarrass them and they don't know that I know but I got a phone call this week from a lady and her her husband passed away in September and um she was going through that whole thing of, what do I do now? Like, how do I do the things that I've never done in my life? How do, I, how do I accomplish this as a widow? And she was getting ready for the winter and needed wood. And she didn't really know where to go or how to do it. So she talked to a member of the church, a family in the church. And this family... Not only got them wood, but cut it, split it, and stacked it for them. And completely loved on this lady. And this lady wanted me to know as a pastor how much that blessed her. And she came by the church and she made a $400 donation on behalf of that family just to say thank you because they wouldn't take money themselves. And it was one of those moments where it was just like, yes, this is awesome. So again, that couple, that family that is in here, you know who you are. And as your pastor, I'm so proud of you. Love is what we're talking about today. Love, the Bible says, covers a multitude of sins. Love is, is the foundation of who we are as believers. Love is everything. The Bible says if we don't have love, we're, we're nothing more than like a clanging cymbal or a gong. Love is, is something that each one of us need to be able to, to check our hearts and say, God, is this, is this evident in my life? Is this evident in our family's life? We just finished our series on king and Priest, where we dived in the book of Romans and we learned that because of what Jesus did on the cross that we can now go boldly before the throne as sons and daughters of God. We can do this through the gift of atonement so now that there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus, one day we will st- stand before the Lord. We don't need to worry about it because our sins have been washed away, never to be remembered again. And today I really want to take a look in the book of 1 John. And if you have your Bibles with me, you can open it to 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to start in verse 15 this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for love we thank you lord that you first loved us and god i just pray father that you would challenge every single one of us this day to love better to to have the eyes of christ and the mind of christ that we would be able to walk into certain circumstances and situation and let love abound in christ's name we ask it amen first john 4 starting in verse 15. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. Jesus went to the cross so that each one of us in this room could live forever with him in heavenly realms. Now let's take a look at verse 19. This is kind of the key for today's scripture. We love each other because he loved us first. We love God because he loved us. God reached down to man and man, what was man doing? Man was hiding from God. See, back in the book of Genesis, we see that there was a practice where the Lord God would walk in the cool of the day with Adam, and when Adam sinned, and all of a sudden he fell short of the glory of God, and his eyes were open to what just happened, something changed that day. When the Lord came down, instead of the Lord meeting with Adam, Adam ran and hid, and the Lord cried out, Adam, where are you? Why did he do that? See, we know that God is omnipresent. He knows everything. He knew exactly where Adam was. But yet he still said, Adam, where are you? Because he wanted Adam to be able to vocalize with his own mouth his spiritual condition. Adam, where are you spiritually? What had happened here, Adam? And then Adam did something that I'm sure every one of us in this room have done. Instead of taking ownership of what had happened. He says, well, Lord, it was the woman that you gave me. And, and essentially, he, he blames, not, not the woman. Essentially, he blames God. Lord, this is what you created me, and this is what you gave me, and that is why I fell. How many times do we blame others? But yet God has a plan God loved us first. He came looking for man when at that moment we, mankind, was completely without hope. See, my friends, there are so many lies traveling around that will tell you there's hope in drugs. There's hope in alcohol. There's hope in other relationships, in new things, in adventures, in vacations, in trips. The world can never, ever offer us hope. But through Christ Jesus, that is our foundation. And that is where we enter into that promise of hope. Before Christ came on the scene, in the book of Job in the Old Testament, a man who loved the Lord comes to a brilliant understanding. Check this out. Job 9, verses 32 and 33. It says, God is not a mortal like me, so I cannot argue with him or take him to trial. If only there was a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together. Isn't that powerful? Because at that time, Christ had not come, had not died, and Job realized how massive God was. And he understood that as a human, he could never approach God. And he's crying out, if only there was someone, if only there was a mediator, then I would be able to see God and talk with God and and love God and experience God. But he didn't have that. Job understood how massive he was. There is no possible way for them to be able to come together. And then he cries out, For someone to be able to bridge the gap between God and man. And today we get to experience and enjoy that relationship with God the Father because of the love of Christ Jesus. Have you ever found yourself as a believer becoming worried? Maybe becoming anxious or fearful? See, that happens when we stop focusing on the cross and we start to turn inward. Why am I allowing this emotion to control me? Jesus has given us absolutely everything. We are completely clean. And there's all kinds of talk out there about what we need. What we need as a believer. We need... In fact, just just for a moment, just close your eyes. And I'm going to pose a question this morning, and it's just... What do we need here at Kolei Community Church? Now, you can open your eyes, and I wonder what came into your minds. Like, we got over 300 people here today, and, and when that happens, there's a lot of different philosophies and ideas about what we need in a church. You know what, some people are like, you know what, sorry, Ernie, but we need better worship. We we need like like when when all of a sudden the girls sing, it's angelic. But when you do it, you blow it. Sorry, man. That's what we need. You know what, Pastor? Can you go sit down? Because what we need here is a better preacher. We need somebody who really knows how to how to dig into the word. That's what we need at Colleague Community Church. You know what we need, we need small groups. We need, we need an opportunity for people to be able to come together and really love on the Lord. Man, I tell you, what this church needs is we need to get out into the community more and love God and, and, and fulfill the Great Commission. That's what we need. What came to your mind when I said, What do we need? What was the what was the first thing that kind of popped in there? It's all good. But the truth is, we as saints of God need to have communion with the Lord. We need to be basking in his presence. That is what we need. What would that look like? That each one of us in that place just saying, God, form me, shape me, let me look more like you today. What would that look like? Job says, God is not mortal like me, so I cannot argue with him or take him to trial. If there was only a mediator between us, somebody who could bring us together, let's take a look back at the book of Romans verse, five, uh, verse uh, ch- uh, chapter 5, verse 6 and 8. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for our sins. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone may perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Whew. Doesn't that blow your mind? God loved you first. God loved you while we were still. Enemies of God. Like just just ponder that for a second. Would you send your son to hang on the cross for someone who hated you? Would you, would you open up that doorway? But God's love for us is so massive that he sent his son for us while we were still separated from God, while we are still sinners. That is real love. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son in the world so that we may have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God's love is absolutely perfect. And I wonder if we, as believers, truly understand what real love is. For you know what, I think we're ca- taught by a culture that somehow doesn't really grasp what the 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 whole understanding of real love. You know what, our world is full of breakups and blow-ups. We hide friendships, and we. And marriages and families, everything becomes so disposable. Yet Jesus loved us while we were still enemies. He pours out his love daily as a refreshing rain. See, It's easy to love someone who's nice to you. Someone who's kind and considerate. But it's difficult often when it's someone who just has a spiritual gifting of getting under our skin. What would our lives look like? if we just stopped and spent time in that presence of God. You see, I'm sure everybody in this room has had opportunities. And maybe sometimes you've nailed it where you've loved well, and maybe there's times where you've blown it. I know I've blown it many times. But it seems like there's always an opportunity to be able to love, isn't there? And when somebody loves you, and does really well with you it is so simple they treat you well but what about when they don't love you i remember when i was first a pastor in edmonton i was came into the service and i was just getting ready to go and we were out in the lobby and we we're just kind of chatting with people and i overheard this one guy and he was so mad because his wife was in the hospital and he, and no pastor went to visit his wife and, and I overheard what he said, and I, and I turned around to him, and I said, hey, I uh, hope you don't mind, but you're speaking pretty loudly. And I, and I understand that you're not very happy, but a pastor did go and visit your wife yesterday. He's like, a pastor went? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, Pastor Merrill went to the hospital, and she visited your wife. And he goes, oh, I didn't know. I said, okay, no problem. I said, so we cool? He goes, yeah, we're cool. I said, okay, bless you. He says, do you know what you just did? I said, what? He said, you winked at me. I'm like, yeah? He goes, you know what the Bible says about guys that wink? I'm like, no. He says, well, you should. You're our pastor. I'm like, I'm sorry. I've, I've never seen that before in my life. I, or It's not popping out. I, like, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. Where is it? He goes, well, you need to find it. He says, but the Bible says that you are an evil man. And he says, and you just made yourself known today, and I know that you are evil. I said, well, thanks, man. I got to go lead worship right now, and I left and led worship. (laughs) Well, try that. Try that. Someone out in the lobby tells you that you're evil, then go lead worship. You're like, hallelujah, I am evil. How can I lead people in worship? God is so mad at me right now because I'm disgusting. So I couldn't wait to end the the worship set. And as soon as it was done, I went into my office and I googled it on my Bible. And and I I found in my Bible gateway thing, I found that it says in Proverbs that basically if a man sees another guy stealing something and he allows that to happen and he winks and says, you know what, your secret's safe with me. You're just as guilty as that guy. I'm like, that doesn't say I'm evil. So I went back up to him after the service. I said, listen, listen. I looked it up like you asked, and I said, here's the scripture references in Proverbs. Here's what it says, and here's what it means. And he goes, no, it doesn't. It means that you're evil. And he says, and I want you to know that I know who you are, and I know that you're evil. I'm like, oh, great. So a few weeks go by, and he doesn't show up at the church, and then all of a sudden he comes back on a Sunday, and he says, you know what, I have you noticed that I haven't been around here? I'm like, yes, it's been nice. <laughs> and he says, do you know why I left the church? I said, why? He says, because you, because you're evil. I'm like, listen, I've already explained to you what the scripture meant. If you want to think I'm evil, go ahead. But I love you and I love God. And he's like, do you want to go for coffee and talk? About it? I'm like, no, I don't. You know, I think I've said everything. I don't know what else to possibly say. And, you know, maybe I am a little evil because I went, when I left the church and I moved to Calgary for a few years and then I moved out to Cold Lake, I was asked probably around year three in Cold Lake to come back and preach at the church and that guy was there. And I preached the message and afterwards he comes up to me. He goes, do you remember me? And honestly, here's what I did. I said, sure do. <laughs> so... That's, I couldn't help it. It just, it just came out. So, you, so sometimes you do well and you nail it, and other times maybe you fall short. But, but yet what I'm saying is when we love well and someone is loving on us, it's easy. But sometimes the Lord sends grace testers into our lives. And God wants us to pass well. And he wants us to love well. Because sometimes love is a decision. And it's a hard decision to make to be able to love, to be able to honor, and to be able to love really well our lives. How important is love? Like, will love really accomplish anything in our lives? Can love leave a legacy of sorts that will surpass even our time here on the earth? I don't know. Only you can answer that.
1: I graduated high school. Tonight's the big 20 year class reunion. Do I look like I've been out of high school for 20 years? Okay, never mind. I answered my own question. If I'm not mistaken, this right here, this was Mrs. Tomlinson's geometry class, and now it's a science lab. But okay, this class, I was never very good in geometry and I'd always protest, why do I need geometry? I'll never use geometry in all my life. And she'd always smile at me and say, wait till you get older, you'll be glad you did this. And you know what? I still never use it. The real reason why I came down this hallway was to find a locker. One, two... Okay, right here. This locker, this was Stacy Bell's locker. She was a... my best friend in high school. She introduced herself to me when I was in seventh grade. She, like, picked me out of a crowd, it seemed like. But, you know, we became friends. I mean, we shared everything together. We were supposed to bring pictures of high school memories and stuff like that. Okay, I brought a picture of uh, me and Stacy at our senior prom. Um, I know I look like Harry Potter. But if there was one person that I could see at this 20-year reunion, it would be her. She changed my life in some ways. I'll never forget her. I'll never forget
2: that day. I was walking down this hallway, and I dropped my books, right? I mean, they went everywhere, and everyone's just walking by. And and I'm trying to pick them up, and you can imagine me bending down to pick up books was a whole production. And this pretty blonde girl was standing. She was standing about right here at her locker. And all of a sudden, she looks down at me, trying to get the books. And, and she's like, let me help you with those. And I'm like, okay, you know? She picks up my books and looks at me and she's hi, my name is Stacy. And I'm like, hey, I'm Dennis. She's like, how about I carry these to your next class for you? And I'm like, how about you do that, you know? So Stacy carries my books to class. By the time we got there, I think that I know everything about her because she's just talking and talking. And then she sits my books on my desk and starts to walk out. And I'm thinking to myself, well, good for you. You did your good deed of the week, you know? And Then she turns around. And she goes, hey, Dennis, I've got a great idea. Some of my friends and I are going roller skating tomorrow night. How about you join us? And I'm like, yeah, uh, I don't do so well on wheels. She kind of laughed and she said, it's okay. I will help you. I said, okay. So that next night, I find myself at a roller skating rink with Stacy and her friends. I don't know who was more scared, me or the guy I handed my money to and said, size nine and a half, please. And I sat on the side while Stacy and her friends were roller skating for a while, but it felt good just to be part of a group. And then Stacy skates over out of nowhere and says, Dennis, come on out and skate. And I'm like, no, no, I'm cool, I'm cool. And she's like, no, come on. I'm like, serious, huh? She goes, come on, I will help you. I was like, okay. So Stacy helped me out on the roller skating rink. You should have seen everybody's eyes. I just looked at him and said, it's okay. I'm a professional skater. <laughs> but with Stacy's help, I made it all the way around the skating rink, twice. It was so awesome. As Stacy was dropping me off at my house that night, she said, "Dennis, I got another good idea. Tomorrow, my family is having a cookout and going swimming. Why don't you join us?" And I was like, "Yeah, um, this body don't float, you know." She said, "It's okay. I will help you." I said, "Okay." So there I was that next day, standing in the shallow end of Stacy's pool. <laughs> it was like... Wee, you know, Miss Stacy started laughing. She goes, Dennis, the shallow one's no fun. Come on in the deep end with me. I was like, no, no, it's okay. She goes, no, come on. I was like, no, I, I'm cool. She goes, Dennis, come on. I will, and I stopped her. And I said, I know, you will help me. But she did. She held out her arms and helped me float in the water. It was so great. After we'd finished swimming, we were eating, and she was telling me her dreams. I tell you, I really believed that girl could change the world. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she turns the tables on me. She looks at me, and she says, hey, Dennis, tell me about your dreams. And I'm like, well, I don't really have any dreams. She goes, come on, everybody's got dreams. And I was like, no, not me. And she just kept persisting, and I got so frustrated with her. And so finally, I looked at her and I said, okay, you want to know my dream? I'll tell you my dream. In my dream, these old hands, they are no longer crippled. And I can pick up things and throw things and, and it's no problem. And in my dream, my hip is right in place and I can walk and run and jump just like everybody else. And I said, in my dream, I don't need these old glasses to see anymore. And in my dream, my mouth is normal, just like everybody else's. And I'm just like everybody else. But then I realize it's only a dream. We sat there in silence for quite a while. And then Stacy looked at me, and I'll never forget what she said. She said, Dennis, that's the dumbest dream I've ever heard. And I was like, Well, you sure know how to make a cripple guy feel good. And she said, No, no, Dennis, you don't get it. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And I looked at her and I said, No, Stacy, you don't get it. I'm a joke. And she just shook her head at me, Dennis. God does not look as man looks. She said, sure, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart, Dennis, and you have a great heart. I like to think she was right. I hope I do have a good heart. I know she had a great heart, and that girl
1: changed my life. You know how I said there was one person I want to see at this reunion? Stacy. She's not here. She's not coming. When I think about her, I think about Galatians 6:10. She epitomizes this. Therefore, as we have opportunities, let us do good for all people. She was just good. She found opportunities to love God and love others. I use her in the past tense because uh, Stacy. She died in a car wreck our freshman year in college. Jesus gave us a visual in Matthew 10, 42 when he talks about kindness and compassion. It's almost as if you give a cup of cold water to somebody. That's what she did for me. She gave me a cup of cold water and she pointed me toward God. She did it for me. She did it for a lot of people. She had a bumper sticker that said, my life is dedicated to saving your life. I'm part of her legacy. So much so i'm still talking about it 20 years later
0: jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment of all his answer was to love the lord your god with all your heart and the second is equally important to love your neighbor as yourself simple love god love people want me to even break it down even simpler god people too often we believe that love is a feeling i think i'll love my husband today but if he leaves his underwear on the floor one more time i'm out of here love is a decision Love is a verb. Jesus is our role model. Jesus loved well. He loved those who loved him, yet he also loved those who were difficult to love. See, Jesus fed the 5,000. But I wonder if every one of those members loved him. Jesus healed the 10 lepers, but only one of them came back and said, thank you. Here's what I find absolutely amazing about that. Jesus says to the one that returned, and he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. See, he healed physically ten lepers. But the one who came back, he healed physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I think there's, there's people in this room who are struggling. Maybe you're struggling loving yourself. Maybe like Dennis there, you're like, I'm junk. And today God wants you to know that he doesn't make junk. Because for an order for you to be able to love others well, you first need to love yourself. And walk in that place and just say, God, would you reveal your love to me, God? Because once I've embraced that, then I can just pour that out. See, the enemy wants us to hate ourselves. Sometimes I think we're our own toughest critic. And the Lord is like, stop it. I made you. And my plan for Cold Lake, Alberta is for us to be the love church. For us not to just love coming together and fellowshipping and just seeing each other's smiling faces on a Sunday, but to trickle out in the community and cut and stack wood for a widow, where all of a sudden it's just like, wow, why did you do this for me? I don't even know you. And and she just can't wrap her mind around that act of kindness. As an assignment, I would like you all this week to meditate upon 1 Corinthians 13. Now, when I say meditate, I believe that that is a term that is a biblical term that the New Age philosophy has stolen. What we do is we take 1 Corinthians and every day we read it and say, God, would you just reveal something to me? And then we start to read, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't boast, it doesn't brag. It's not selfish. And as we read, Holy Spirit just starts to permeate in our hearts about different ideologies that we've allowed in there and don't even realize they're there. Love never fails. From the time you your kids, we learn that love has conditions and limits you ever heard a child say you know what if you don't do this I'm not gonna be your friend anymore maybe you're thinking never mind kids I've heard adults say that (laughs) why because that's how we've been taught love is conditional love has its borders its boundaries but real love is unconditional. Because Jesus loved me when I was very difficult to love. Jesus lavished on me when I had my walls up and I said I didn't want anybody to come in. Jesus rescued me. And he did it through something that covers a multitude of sins. Love. As we read on, verse 20 says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. If you don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we can't see. You know, that's one of those scriptures there that I think brings the, priest side, the uh, king side into it. Because... Life happens. And when life happens, bad things happen to good people. And then we have a choice to make. Do we choose to fight and to harbor bitterness? Or do we choose to let it go and love well? Because that's one of those scriptures that says, if we don't do that, then we're a liar. And it's like, God, help me even in my rights to lay it down at your feet, God, and say, Lord, I embrace your love because, Lord, I don't want to have bitterness or anger or hatred towards anyone, God. God but Lord, I choose to lay that down at your feet because, Lord, you love me first. And then if it doesn't even stop there, it goes on for verse 21. It says, and he has given us this commandment. Those who love God must also love fellow believers. Man, he's got us, doesn't he? It's not just something good or something nice, but it's a commandment of Jesus to love. For before Jesus died, he told us, If you love me, keep my commandments. In order to love like we're commanded to, we need to then deny ourselves. And Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. But pastor, you don't understand my life. You don't know what I've gone through. Jesus doesn't know what I've gone through. Really? Do you all have one person who you would call a best friend? A BFF, a bestie, someone who you can tell anything to. What a gift. And here's Jesus on the night that he is about to be crucified. And he's having the Last Supper with his disciples, the 12 that he loves. And he knows that one of his inner circle, one of his besties are about to betray him and sell him for 30 pieces of silver. What does he do? He washes their feet. and Then, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's so stressed out, I guess, anxious, knowing what is coming in ours, the Bible says that he starts to sweat drops of blood. That's intense. And he turns to his, his support. And he's like, guys, I need you to pray with me. I need you this one night to stand with me and tarry the night And they say, yes. (sniffs) And they fall off asleep. And he's alone. Yet out of all that, he still says, choose love. Walk in love. Be bathed in love command you to love one another. Jesus' love is out of this world. Because he had the opportunity to be able to call on a legion of angels to destroy everyone so he didn't have to hang on a cross. But he chose to go the distance for me. I think that justifies that Jesus knows what you're going through. And he wants to teach you real love. The question is, are you willing to be discipled? Are you willing to submit your rights to anger and bitterness? Because I know some of your stories. And I know some of you people in this room have been hurt immensely. In ways that you never, ever should have. But choose love. Allow love to lead your life. Grow in love. And see how that changes your world. I think legacy is so important. And after I'm gone in Cold Lake, I hope that people are talking about me for years. Saying, that pastor loved on me. After I'm gone off this planet for 25 years, I hope that someone is sitting around a table one day and saying, you know what? There was a dark time in my life. And this guy Really loved me. My friends, often we close the service with opening up the altars and saying, Would you come on up here? And we'd love to pray with you. But I'm just really feeling in my spirit not to do that today. But there is something so special about getting off of our seats. And walking up to the altar before the Lord and instead of having a team pray for you this morning if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now about loving well as Ernie leads us would you just get out of your seats and just come up here and stand if you want to stand or kneel or lay down before the Lord and just say God I give you my heart. Today, Lord, I want to become a disciple of love. And today I make that commitment to you to teach me and to train me to love and love well. And when you're finished, the service is closed. Lord, bless you. Have a fantastic week in Jesus' name but I really sense that this is a special moment in the spirit. So take advantage of that today. And say, God, I wanna meet with you. Bless you. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.